0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. All right, if you brought your Bibles, we'll start in Luke 15. The Lord is good. Amen. Does anybody love Jesus? Thank God. I'm going to paraphrase our guys in the back probably going to get mad at me for this, but that's all right. We're going to do this because of time anyway. And um, so, anyway, in Luke 15, Jesus shares one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite parables in the Bible. And you'll see why here in a minute. Um, But what a what a beautiful, beautiful story. In Luke 15, Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. One more time, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is sharing this story. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thinks it's important enough to share this, that throughout all the ages, this would resonate with believers, with non-believers. And and so there's there's an importance put on this. Amen? In the first story, Jesus shares a story about a sheep who wandered away. Child of God, you could say. And the father left the other 99 and went out to find the one lost sheep. And when it was found, the Bible says there was great rejoicing. Great rejoicing over the one lost sheep that was found. You know, maybe some of you guys, your kids have wandered off. Maybe grandkids have wandered off. Maybe, you know, a situation like that in your household. The Bible anxiously waits your child's return. And the Bible says when your child returns, we're going to pray amen. We'll pray and believe God together. When your child returns, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. And uh, just such a beautiful thing. The Bible goes on to say, Jesus says this, shares a second story of a woman who lost her coin. And it says it was a coin from her headdress that she was saving for her dowry. She lost it and couldn't find it anywhere. She, she lit a candle, looked for it under the bed. She swept the house. She wept. She cried. Her neighbors looked for it with her. And finally, she found it after much looking. And her neighbors all came and rejoiced with her that she had found that one lost coin. And Jesus said, "There's rejoicing in heaven over one lost, over one sinner repenting and turning back from their sins. All of heaven rejoice." And then thirdly is a story I want to share with you just a little bit about. In uh, verse 11, it picks up with this story, and this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. And you'll see here why in a minute. But the father, the the Bible says the father had two sons. And he probably lived out on a big ranch on a big farm. And one day his son came to him, his youngest son, and said, listen, it's our law that the oldest son gets two-thirds of your estate uh, when you die. And the youngest son gets one-third of the estate. He said, listen, I don't want to wait until you die. You know, I want want mine now. And, uh, you know, the man wanted to have a good time and do his thing now. He wanted to feed his flesh now. And finally, I'm sure after much, you know, graveling with his son, the father gave in. And he gave his son, his youngest son, a third of the estate. And the Bible says this, that the young man in the parable was running from God. And, you know, all around us, you know, as we travel as missionaries to the world, we see that all throughout the world. People running from God. And, you know, we're sent there you know, for a purpose, to try to reel them in. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, President John F. Kennedy, when he was shot in Dallas, uh, back in the 60s, what year was that, 60 what? 63. When John F. Kennedy was shot in Dallas, he was headed headed to share a speech, and part of his speech was this, in Mark 8. How interesting that a president would share from the Bible back then? Those are good days. In that aspect. In Mark 8, it says, you know, he was, uh, John F. Kennedy was going to share this. What profit a man if he gains the entire world and yet forfeits his soul? Well, what does that mean, forfeits his soul? It means hell will be their destiny. You know, hell is a place that Jesus actually spoke more about than he did heaven. Jesus preached often about hell and he warned us not to go there. This, he warned us this is a place, you know, that, that we don't want to go. So the parable says that the boy began to, that a famine came to the land, and, a boy, and the boy began to become in need. He couldn't get food, couldn't get water, and he got a job feeding pigs. And Jesus shared a story that this boy became so in need that he began to eat the feed that he was giving the the pigs. And finally, the Bible says he became to begin to come to his senses. <clears throat> and he thought, you know what? He said, if I return home. If I return home, maybe I can live as one of the hired servants because the hired servants are living a lot better than I'm living right now. And, and the Bible says that the boy turned and headed back home with a humble, contrite spirit. You ever been there where you had to get on your face and ask God to forgive you for something? Dear Jesus. And uh, I've been there with you. And, like, uh, God, man, I'm sorry. Every day, amen. And so uh, the boy turned back toward his house and headed on the journey back. And the Bible says as he began to approach, his father saw him from afar off. And the Bible says his father took off and ran toward him. Isn't that interesting? And the Bible says when when he saw him, he threw his arms around, he hugged him and he embraced him, threw a great banquet and rejoiced. And once again, Jesus shares this story to signify, listen, there's great rejoicing in heaven when one returns. He's a good Father. Thank God He received you. Thank God He received me. When we repented of our sins, thank God He was faithful to receive us. He's a good God. The reason I share all that is to say this, is this church was built for that very purpose. Every fiber of this building, every brick that's been laid, that you see, the lights are here. Every dollar that's ever come through this building is built as a lighthouse. The purpose is to build a lighthouse to reach out into the nations. To reach our nation and the nations of the world with the message that, listen, God is a faithful God. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's merciful. He's a merciful God. The world is in need of Christian assembly now. If you look around the world in Africa right now. Right now I've been there. There's a woman crying out she can't feed her kids. And she's crying out for an answer. God I can't. She's on her face right now crying, weeping. Right now. God I can't feed my kids. I don't I don't know what to do. And we are that answer. You know, Latin America, somebody right now, they live in an abusive home. And, uh, you know, when the spouse comes home, there's abuse in the home. And right now, God, listen, send somebody. Send somebody to save me. Send somebody to help me. And Christian assembly was built for that very purpose. Every brick is laid as you look around. Every fiber this building is built as a vessel to bring the gospel to them. Every, every, every bit of it. In Pittsburgh right now, Ben will tell you there's kids under the bridge living under the bridge, and right now their their parents are home praying. Listen, God, my kids made some bad decisions. Listen, send somebody to share the gospel with them. Share somebody to bring the light to them. I encourage you to come out and be a be that voice with us. And we are built to take the gospel to them. I was uh, not not that long ago. I was in Africa working in Africa, and. Um, I got sick. We were traveling across the Sahara Desert and we ran out of gas. If you can believe that, the guy driving me across the Sahara Desert forgot to fill up with gas. Just to paint the picture, the Sahara Desert's about the same size as the U.S. We were going across a narrow part of it. It was 17 hours. Across, everybody say 17 hours. Alright, y'all need to pray for your missionaries. And so, I'm in a, v, I'm in a van with like 15 guys. And we run out of gas. And it's getting dark. And if I, never, if I ever prayed in tongues, it was that day. <laughs> Jesus. And so I'm outside this van praying. It's getting dark. I'm stranded in the middle of the sand. And I thank God somebody got, came by with a tow rope and towed us on to a place. Uh, we were able to get gas. And then we went on to a place called Aswood, Egypt. And it was great. But I got sick from being, from being cooped up in this van. And I got stuck in a hotel in Nairobi, Kenya. And so in Nairobi... I'm sitting there, and um, here these prostitutes were there, and I knew some people were Christians there. Kenya is one of the most evangelized places in the world, and in fact, there's parts of Kenya that is probably like 80 percent Christian. It's one of the most condensed areas of Christianity in the world. It's because they've been evangelized by Reinhard Bonnke, T. O. Osborne, you know these these huge mission uh, you know evangelistic missionary organizations. And um, but anyway, I'm there, and I know these Christians are there, and so. Uh, this girl came down and sat down next to me, and I mean, she she could have been a model. And I started talking to me, and I, I looked over, and these guys got watching. Well, I get up and left. I went to my room. I figured I'd eat in my room. So I come back down. I sit down. You know, come back the next morning, same thing. Somebody sits down why well, I get up and leave. This happens three times. And I get up and leave, and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm here on a mission trip, and I'm walking away from my opportunity. And so, anyway, I went back, <clears throat> and uh, this girl sits down, and um, anyway, I begin to share... She, she begins to share with me, and, and so I turned her turn over. I'm like, listen, hey, I'm here to share the gospel today. Or I'm here, you know, as a missionary, we're sharing the gospel. You know, share with me your situation, she said, and she starts to cry. And she said, listen, she said, I'm here. My family can't eat. My parents can't eat. My kid can't go to school. The only way that we can put food on the table is if I come here and do this. I'm like, listen, God is a bigger God than this. And I want to encourage you. The Bible says, I can remember saying, he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He will provide for you. He'll make a way. And um, she's crying. I lead her to the Lord. And uh, she said, she, she looks at me and she said, listen, I will never go out and do that again. And uh, she said, I'm going to trust God. I said, give him six months. Trust him and see what happens. And she left. And so we got her email. And so she started emailing us back and forth. And Chris and I were thinking about trying to bring her here and get her a job, but uh, due, to, due to restrictions and things we weren't able to. But anyway, here this girl writes this a couple months later. She said, listen, I want to let you know I've never gone back out on the street. I got a job with an attorney as a secretary. And she said, I am now able to feed my family, send my brother to school, and God has provided all my needs. And I want to thank you. Amen. Amen. That's what, that's what church is all about, isn't it? That's what this rodeo is all about is that we get saved, and then we lay our life down, and hey, we sign up. You know, God will use you if you sign up. So, you know, the entire church is built for that. There's no aspect of this church that is not built with the end product in mind of souls. Not one. If you look at the worship team, they come up, they worship God. Why? To bring in the presence of God, that people can meet with God, grow with God, people can repent of their sins. One of the greatest services I was in was the very first service I was in here at Christian Assembly. Uh, Harold and um, Andy Fiock invited me, and I came with them back around, I don't know, early 90s. And I came, and it was, a, it was a worship service, and I was sitting right over here by the fifth row back. And we were all on our knees. Worship team was worshiping, and I met with God that day. And uh, at the end of the service, Andy apologized. Will, I'm sorry. You know, our pastor teaches really good. I'm sorry you didn't get to hear him. I'm like, listen, that was the best service I've ever been in. I met with God today, and God was able to do some things in my life and, and help us get down the road. and uh, thank God we're able, to, we're able to win souls now. You know, if you look at the children's ministry, Chris in the back, with Kristen in the back, her job is not entertainment. If we're entertaining kids, we're failing. Her job is to train up children, give them a heart for souls, give them, give them a heart for nations that when they get older, they launch out, and this is the new voice. Going to the nations of the world. Your grandkids, if they wander off, hopefully these kids back here will reel them in and reel them back to Christ. That is the purpose for the children's ministry is to raise them up, to send them out. If you look at the welcome team, the greeters, the ushers, parking lot ministry, these guys, what is their purpose? Their purpose is to be a light. These guys out here this morning holding up signs Jesus loves you, He's merciful, He forgives as people drive up and down the road trying to be a voice to lost people driving up and down the road. When they come in, the welcome team is doing their best to make them feel welcome, to help them find a seat, to help, you know, usher them around the church. You know, we can do things good, we can do things well, or we can do things with excellence. And so, we, you know, we we always want to strive for the high bar, that we are a voice to people. Well, why do we do that? The question is, why do we do that? Why do we have to do that? I'm glad you asked, I'll tell you. Statistics say that within the first five minutes... Everybody say five minutes. five minutes. Within the first five minutes, people decide whether they're ever going to come back to that church or not, and the pastor hasn't even left his office yet. Depending on how warm, how welcoming a church is. And so, you know, the more, the better. The better job we can do of connecting with people even before they get into church, the better chance we have of connecting with them, sharing them the, with them the love of God, and hopefully getting them back in, pastor shares a message... Get some born again and keeps them coming back. Amen? The end product is always souls. If you look at the media ministry, Chris Murphy, what is his job? His job is to take the saving message of Jesus Christ and put it on the internet. People can't come. They can click on the internet. They can see it and they can they get an opportunity to receive Christ even sitting at home in front of their computer. Things like that. And so every purpose of this church, the end product is winning souls. The nursing home ministry... They go out, people are on, you know, eternity's doorstep, and we're trying one last time to get the gospel within them. Of course, the homeless ministry, we already shared about them. Youth outreaches, Robert Wells starting a new ministry on Saturday night where, you know, youth are going to come in, he's bringing them in, in, a, in a van. I want to encourage you guys, if you have a heart for youth, if you feel God's called you uh, to help with the youth, this would be a good man to help out. So he's, he's bringing them in uh, on a church van. We got youth programs in the back on Saturday night. You know, let them play basketball, things like that, and hopefully get the gospel in them as well. So before COVID, I think he was bringing 10, 15 of these kids, street kids at a church. And, uh, you know, it's a great thing. Once to continue to grow with that and, and reach out. The Bible studies, men's ministry, believer school, all these things, women's, women's ministry. You know, all these things are created for what? To train us up, to send us out. To win souls. If any part of this church that we are, intro, you know, have an inner perspective, if that is the end product, any part of this, this church body, anything we do here at the church, if the end product is us, we are totally missing it. The end product is not us. The un- end product is them. And this church was built for them, for people outside these church walls. The Bible says this, <clears throat> if you want to flip over there. Second Timothy, this church is built as a launching pad to the lost. If if they'd let me put up a big sign, I think I'd put that. I'd put up two signs. I've, I've mentioned this a couple times. I might still try to bribe somebody to get it done. But when you walk out these front doors, I would love to see a big sign that says this, you are now entering the mission field. To put us in perspective, hey, we're going into our own mission field. Let's, well, let, let's share the gospel with somebody. Amen. This church was built for that purpose, it's to be a launching pad to the lost. If you were here six months ago, you know, the Bible says God places people in the body as He wills. How many of you know when you sign up for Jesus? When you, when you get born again, you're at the altar. You're, you're signing your name on a dotted line. Alright, Jesus, here you go. My life belongs to you. Remember this? Salvation is not a prayer. Salvation is a life commitment. That you announce with your prayer. with you announce with your voice. So, the, just repeating the sinner's prayer does not get you saved if your heart is not behind it. People, I've heard people say salvation is a free gift. It is not salvation cost jesus something and it cost you something salvation what salvation costs you is your life if you really want to go to heaven if you really want to be born again salvation is a life commitment of laying down my life to the service of the master whatever part of our life is not committed to him that is that is the distance we are from truly being sold out to him christian means christ-like we are like The Master. We are like Jesus, like Christ. And to be like Christ, we need to live our life empty and as a servant unto others. How many of you would say Jesus lived His life empty as a servant unto others? He did, didn't He? He surrendered His life to live as a servant. Thank God. Thank God He did. Well, the Bible says this, that God calls us to a church body. He's called. It says he places the members in the body as he wills. And so I'm going to share this. God doesn't, we don't necessarily make a sign on a dotted line, God, I'm going to choose this church, or I'm going to choose this church body, or I'm going to choose that church body. It doesn't work like that. The Bible says when we sign on the dotted line and say, Jesus, my life belongs to you, the Bible says he places us in a church. He places us in a certain part of the body. Well, why is that? Because the Bible says that as the members work together, he places giftings in churches, and as the members work together, the body grows as each member does his part. Well, what does that mean if the body's running? It means your brain and the lost, the lost people are getting saved, That that lost people are being reeled in. Amen? We don't choose the church. Jesus places us in a church. And that we go to serve as servants. I want to share uh, just a little bit with you guys. Um, you know, as we're walking out to fulfill the big picture in God, fulfill the big picture in Christ, you know, one one of the things that, that uh, I try to rely on is this. Um, I don't know where I picked this up, you know, but I found it at times in my life, and I'll share why. I'm going to go somewhere with this, so so hang on. But, you know, when in doubt, I try to, try to reach back and look, and, and um, I try to think back. You know, how would this be handled in military fashion? You know, which is interesting because the Bible refers to us, um, you know, being in the army of God. We're in the army of God. Everybody say, I'm in the army of God. You are. When you sign up, you are signing up for a military unit. And that's the army of God. Is that right or wrong? That is right. You are signing on the dotted line to be part of a force for God. In 2 Timothy 2 4, it says this. It says, No soldier gets entangled. Everybody say entangled. Entangled. One more time entangled. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We should have our mind on, on heavenly issues, on the, uh, on the prize that God has for us. In Ephesians 6, it says, it is Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces in evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand. Having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We are in the army of God, and we need to handle things as such. In the military, we have a little thing that they call basic training. Anybody ever heard of that? In basic training, I looked this up. Ben, you know anything about basic training? All right. In basic training, I looked this up. And, uh, you know, basic training has a purpose. They don't just do it for random reasons. Basic training has a purpose behind it, and it is what? It's to break you of your free will. So that you'll be completely and totally submitted to the will of your commanding officer, no matter what and I looked this up, and the Navy, the Navy has basic training that lasts eight weeks. Eight weeks of hell. (laughs) The Coast Guards is eight weeks as well. The Army is ten weeks. And the Marines is thirteen. I guess the crazy ones, they need more training. (laughs) And so, You know, if you're the first one in going through the hardest stuff, I think you need three more weeks. I guess that's the the logic. But the reason they do that is, you know, when you go to war, there's no time for, you know, a hundred different ideas. Hey, why don't we do it this way or why don't we do it that way? You know, there's no time for debates. There's no time for people having feelings, etc. The military needs you obedient without question and without hesitation. Which is why these soldiers go through basic training. That you will obey without question. Amen. They need a unit of function as one. We have a few soldiers in here. Lift up your hand if you're in the military. Alright, well you understand. I'm going to pick up my friend Ben Sly. Ben Sly has been trained. He's been through, been through the army training. He's got kids. got two. Been through the air force, right? Two have been through the Air Force, one through the Army, and one through the Marines. One through the Marines, and we have one that's on, uh, on the police force in Midland, and where else? Okay, in Midland. And so, brother, we appreciate your service and your families. So, you know, his children, you know, I tip my hat, anytime Memorial Day comes up, anytime something comes up, uh, you know, that we need the military, his children have been trained to not question and just run into battle to defend you and me. And so when the 4th of July comes, comes along, you know, Memorial Day comes along, I will stand and clap for your family every year till the day I die. And so we honor those who are, have not only laid down their lives for our freedom, but we honor those who have been trained and are willing to lay down their lives for another. And so we appreciate that, appreciate everybody who, who has served in the military. I'm going to share a story with you guys. We just went through, uh, we just went through 9/11. I want to share a story with you, and uh, this this is an interesting story, and, and it means something, uh, you know, to me. And so uh, hopefully, hopefully, will you uh, will you as well. There's a story of a of a kid named Todd. And Todd, maybe you don't know this. Todd was on flight 93. That crashed on 9-11. And uh, the one that crashed in Shanksville. Todd was born on November 24th. 1968 in Flint, Michigan. And he was raised with a strong biblical system and work ethic. He was raised a Christian. And so the family wound up in Wheaton, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. And Todd attended Wheaton Christian Grammar School. Where he played soccer, basketball, and baseball. He attended Wheaton Academy, a Christian uh, uh, high school from 1983 to 1985. Todd Todd later attended Fresno State, but he returned home to Illinois and transferred to Wheaton College. Anybody know who else went to Wheaton College? Billy Graham. He went to Wheaton College where he majored in business, and he played baseball. I, I knew I liked him. Played baseball. Where he became a captain on the team. Todd Sue met and married his wife, Lisa, there, and they taught Sunday school at Princeton Alliance Church in New Jersey for six years. Unfortunately, he happened to be on Flight 93 that fateful morning on September 11th that left Newark inbound for San Francisco. At 9.28, while flying over eastern Ohio, terrorists entered the cockpit of the plane and took control, killing the pilots. Within six minutes, the plane changed course and was headed for Washington, D.C., several of the passengers made phone calls to loved ones who informed them about the two planes that had crashed into the World Trade Center in New York City and the third into the Pentagon. Todd tried, uh, Todd tried to place a phone call, a credit card phone call. Remember those in the back of the seats? Uh, credit card phone call through a phone located in the back of the, uh, of the plane seat was routed to a customer service representative who passed him on to GTE Airphone supervisor Lisa Jefferson. Lisa has a, a book about this. You guys uh, might want to look it up. With FBI agents listening into to their phone call, Beamer and Fort Jefferson that hijackers had taken over United Flight 93 and that one passenger had been killed. He also stated two of the hijackers had knives and that one appeared to have a bomb strapped around his waist. When hijackers veered the plane uh, sharply south, Todd exclaimed, we're going down, we're going down. And following this, the passengers and flight crew decided to act. According to accounts of cell phone conversations, Todd, along with with Mark Bingham, Tom Burnett, and Jeremy Glick formed a plan to take the plane back from the hijackers. They were joined by other passengers and voted on a course of action, ultimately deciding to storm the cockpit and take back over the plane. Todd told Lisa Jefferson that the group was planning to jump on the hijackers and fly the plane into the ground before the hijackers' could could uh, plan could be followed through. Todd recited the Lord's Prayer with, uh, with Lisa Jefferson, the phone operator uh, that he was speaking to through his credit card phone, who also happened to be a Christian. Thank God. He not only recited the Lord's Prayer, but he, he recited Psalm 23, which also prompted others to join in. Tom told Jefferson to please tell his family how much he loved them, and then heard Todd utter these fateful words. Are you ready? Okay. Let's roll. These were Todd Beamer's last words to Lisa Jefferson. It's interesting. President Trump acknowledged that the very first measure and victory in the war on terrorism began when a group of Americans took a simple vote. And decided to fight back against the terrorists that hijacked the plane, led by Todd Beamer, that just happened to be raised in the army of God and learned the importance and benefits of laying his life down to benefit another. And so, when we get saved, we instantly sign up for the army of God. We are soldiers in his kingdom, we are soldiers in God's army. We've laid our life down for Him, for the benefit of another. And so I want to encourage you guys, I'm going to pray for you, but I want to encourage you guys to keep moving ahead. Keep moving. Don't get sidetracked. Keep moving in military fashion. Obey your commanding officer. If he calls us to do something or calls us to a place, he hasn't changed his mind. Honor God. Keep, Keep our eyes on the big picture that we are here for the benefit of another we're here to win souls we're here to impact nations we're here to win the mother in Africa that's crying out for an answer we're here to win the homeless kids on the street we're here to impact Latin America in communist countries we're here just down the road you know there's people crying out for an answer and we are built every fiber of this building has been built as a launching pad to bring them an answer every part of it and so I want to encourage you guys today is once again realize you have been enlisted into the army of God, if you've signed on the dotted line. Be an obedient soldier. Be obedient to what He has called you to do. And let's keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. I guess my last words to you would be this. we got souls to win. Let's roll. Amen. Let's stand up.